Welcome to Ritual of Practice Podcast. I am your host, Angela Houghton. The intention of this podcast is to inspire your practice. I thought it would be fun to offer stories of how different people integrate practice in their lives. I am so appreciative of the humans that share their experience on this podcast and to you, listener, for joining us. May you show up for what lights you up. Hi there. Today on the show, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with my good friend, Christina Sloan. I call her Chrissy, and we're both lifelong students of the practice of yoga. We actually met uh, through yoga. I went to one of her classes, and over the years, we've traded off um, being students of each other, or teachers, and back and forth. So it was just really a joy to sit down and talk with her about the journey of her practice as a yogini. And we get into lots of different topics that really are just real life, parenting, social media, um, you know, work, (laughs) all of it. So this episode is, yeah, real life and yoga. And even if you don't have any interest in yoga, you may find that there are some gems in here that you can apply to your practice that you choose to do in another area of your life. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode with Christina Sloan. Good morning, listeners. I am here this morning with Chrissy Sloan. Uh, We know each other through yoga, but that is just one small part of uh, Chrissy's life. Um, she's also a lawyer and a mother and so many other things. Uh, so today, though, we're <laughs> and I'll let I imagine some of those things might pop up in the interview today um, as we unfold the discussion of her yoga practice, um, which is why we're here today. So Chrissy and I have traded roles of being student and teacher over the years, and I have learned so much from Chrissy as a student. And I feel like we're very much on this path together of being students. I think lifelong students. Forever (laughs) students. students. So um, yeah, it's, I'm going to go ahead and dive into the first question um, to get us started. So what initially sparked your interest in yoga, Chrissy? Well, I have to go way back, 21, maybe even 22 years ago is when I started. And I was in Boulder, Colorado for law school. Boulder, Colorado, everyone was doing yoga, even way back. So it was 2001, fall of 2001, okay. I start law school. And um, I also was pretty obsessive with movement in my life forever. I grew up in a very competitive tennis family, randomly, in Georgia, where tennis is queen for girls, especially. Um, played my whole life. And then in college, very obsessively, I played the the Southeastern tennis um, circuit and was ranked and all the things. And then I played in college and then I had my me too moment with a a gross groper college coach, the main coach who also coached the boys team and gave them all sorts of privileges that he didn't honor for the girls. So my sophomore year, I quit tennis, which was just massively devastating for me, but I needed movement in my life. I found climbing soon after that became obsessed and then moved West largely to sort of oh, what's this whole climbing thing out West? I was going to school in Boston. Um, so started in a climbing jam, that kind of thing. So it was starting to, to take off back then. And then I moved to Boulder where everyone's doing this yoga movement thing. So I'm like, okay, what's this? And then very quickly, I became addicted. What was interesting is University of Colorado had an amazing student 
um, program for yoga within the university with Indian teachers. And to today, in 21, 22 years, the only Indian teacher I've had was at the University of Colorado. And he was amazing. And I do think he saw my interest right away. I do feel like he gave me a lot of attention in classes because I was probably a more serious student than a lot of other ones. But the university made it cheap and extremely accessible to do as much yoga really as you wanted. And um, the facilities were not nice. You were like in the, you know, some gym. I can't really, I can think of the room, but it was like a gym room. It wasn't um, anything cool. But then from there, I progressed into the studio scene in Boulder. Um, and, you know, law school is stressful. My personality is triple type A. And I very quickly realized that I needed this very badly. And I think one of the reasons I moved from the East Coast, where everything is just super intense and everything's at 150% all the time, and everyone is my personality, quite frankly, or a lot of me. There are lots of me's out there. And I knew it wasn't a place that I was growing and felt like what was my, my place. And as soon as I moved out West, big open skies, big horizons, everything felt like oh, deep breath out here. And yoga just you know, expanded that for me. Okay. I have, that's, <laughs> that's a I lot. Have, I have a question within that, that, oh, what you just shared. So when you, you said, so you were climbing in Boston and then you moved out West to, you know, explore more of the climbing. It, was there someone in the climbing community that turned you onto yoga or was it just seeing it all around Boulder that sparked your curiosity? I don't remember anyone introducing me. I remember just showing up at this yoga class that the university had. And it actually was, you booked it like a class. Like an elective. So, uh, yes. Okay. And, and you actually paid a really nominal fee for a semester of yoga, okay. which I think was two times a week is my recollection. Um, and then did you build on that? So could you take take like yoga level two or yoga level yes, one exactly. three? Yes, exactly. You know, as it, yes. okay. So I did, I... I remember, mo I do remember studio life in Boulder, but it was expensive too. And I was a student. I had no money. I was working for nonprofits and had no money whatsoever. So I don't remember a lot of studio life. I remember mostly being in that room with that teacher for, you know, the three years I was in law school. Okay. So, and all Indian teachers. I didn't yeah. hear that right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you, you spoke a little bit to this, but um, maybe to dig a little deeper. What did your practice look like when you first started? So twice a week going to this elective, um, did you ever practice outside of um, the university or was it always in that setting when you started? I, I think it was mostly just in that setting. Um, what's interesting too is those teachers were very movement-based. It wasn't, there wasn't a spiritual piece of it. There were, weren't teachings on Hindu mythology or any of that. Um, I just remember a lot of movement. Meanwhile, I was still climbing a ton. So law school was amazing. I climbed every day of the week, pretty much. Um, and and I remember just appreciating the movement of climbing in a whole different way. You know, it felt like yoga, the, the you would need to bring the same breath work to it, same body awareness. Um, so I would say I was practicing yoga while I was climbing a ton, but really my yoga practice was that class. That's all I remember in the beginning. And, and I didn't have any pressure or awareness that it would be anything else than that. You know, now I have yeah. this amazing home practice and I do yoga everywhere and anywhere yeah. that I feel like I need it. I'll just have these moments where I'm like, I need to talk right now, or I need to sit and breathe. And, you know, back then it was just movement for me in, in that room. Yeah. I have two questions now <laughs> from what you just shared. Um, and this isn't really 
uh, you know, super important. It's more just my curiosity. Do you know now if you were practicing Ashtanga or Hatha yoga? I would call it Hatha. Okay. Yeah. But I don't remember there being terms associated with it. Okay. I do think the university did a great job of just making it super approachable for everyone. Yeah. And I do remember the teacher being really great at teaching all levels classes. So he, you know, he talked to the students in the room and, you know, I do remember um, in time him encouraging me to do harder stuff than other people were doing, mm. which is funny because then with Nova, it was mm. like, no, honey, let's, let's pull that up. back. <laughs> you need to, you need to expand some other things before you get there. So, and then my other question is kind of the middle piece. So you spoke to your practice now, which is, you know, your home practice is a big part of your life and doing yoga everywhere. What about that middle point? So you graduated college and then, you know, there's a lot of time now since you've graduated college. What is, what did it look like once you were no longer in the university setting? So then I moved to the Roaring Fork Valley where uh, yoga was the a strong com a yoga community there. I met my teacher, Nova, who I also loved. Um, and I practiced a lot with Nova. I don't think, I probably did some weekend workshops then, then and started to understand some of the deeper um, aspects, even benefits of yoga. And I probably started to be introduced to mythology and some of the cool things that yoga offers. But I still don't think I dug in that deep. Um, mm -hmm. I was remodeling a 115-year-old house by myself. And that was a disaster. <laughs> Shook a ton of my time. Um, was trying to climb. And then I was new to my legal career. So I, I, I think that I was beginning to dabble in a deeper way. But still not anything like what you know I've found since then. It wasn't until I moved to Moab, which we bought our house in 2003. So I was spending a ton of time in Moab. So I was spending a ton of time here between 2003 and 2007. I didn't move here full time until 2007. So at that time, there was no yoga scene in Moab. Susan, if y'all remember Susan, I don't remember her last name. So this will probably be worldwide. So people just coming back yes. to the Roaring Fork Valley as in as on the Western slope of Colorado. Yes. And Susan would be a local teacher to Moab that I don't think was around. She moved to Ridgeway. Oh, okay. yeah. A while ago. And, and I, Last I heard, she was still teaching over there. Yes. She was teaching at the Grand Center, mostly. I don't think she even was at the Mark then. Moab Arts and they just Sorry. renamed it. Oh. <laughs> they took out the recreation. They renamed the R. Anyway, Moab Arts and Recreation Center. Um, she was teaching in one of those tiny rooms in the Grand Center, which is a community center, but mostly serves our seniors. seniors. Um and I didn't enjoy the class. Sorry, Susan. I did not enjoy the class. <laughs> which is okay. I, which is okay. And I, yeah. one thing I tell people when they're starting yoga is, one, give yourself a little time. There's this whole obsession with yoga in this country right now. And you'll go to your first class or two and be like, what's the big freaking deal? Um, mm -hmm. And then the other piece is it's extremely teacher dependent. You've got mm -hmm. to find your teachers. And I do think early on, I lucked into amazing teachers who really spoke to me, um, who I respected, who I knew had all this, you know, information to, you know, expand anything I knew before, but also keep me safe and all these things. And, and you got to find your teacher. And so I think, you know, when it's not the right teacher, she was not mm -hmm. the right teacher for me and there was nothing else going on. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll start teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, I had done, but by that point, I know I had done some sort of intensive workshops, but I had not gone through teacher training. I'm like, well, I'll just start teaching. 
Um, and then I started to very obsessively go through a ton of teacher training. And Nova was Anyasara trained. So she's yeah. the one that introduced me to Anyasara. Started studying with Jeannie Manchester, um, Sienna Miller. Those were my, my main teacher trainings with, were with those folks. And that so, was probably about around the time when we first met is yeah. when you started teaching yoga in Mo. Cause I don't, that's how we met as I showed up as a student. Mm-hmm. And then I also had done some teacher training, was like a longtime student at that point and started on the Anusara path. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember you like chasing after me one day and you're like, are you Anusara inspired? <laughs> Cause I had like put something on my thing that wasn't actually like on my wow. marketing flyer and you're like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I worked so hard for my Anusar inspired certification. Yes. yes. And so I was like, oh shit, I like messed up. And so <laughs> I corrected that. You know, I was thinking inspired in the sense of like inspired right. by these teachings, yes. which had been, you know, what, where I had spent the bulk of my time, right. but I had not received the certification and I completely honored, you know, I, I appreciate being called out on <laughs> In that sort of way. I don't you know? even remember that. I so I hope, running after me. <laughs> I hope that, uh, yeah. It felt I, fine. No, I, I, I wasn't bad about it. I was like, oh, I, I made a mistake. That's so my um, personality. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yes, which we'll is just bring it up. things I love about you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I showed up as a student and really appreciated having, you know, the opportunity to practice Anusara, which was something that I loved in our community. So that must have been around... 2007 is when you started teaching here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And so, I mean, that is one of the questions is, have you shared your skills with anyone? Um, you know, so I know from being a student that you've shared them in our community. Um, what about outside of that um, with your kids? Do you share your practice with your kids? Oh, they used to practice with me. <laughs> I've shared and shared and shared and offered and offered, but they are 10 and 12 now and don't do much of it anymore. If I ever can get my, t- my 12 year old is like, no, I mean, I don't even exist to my 12 year old anymore. So she's like, no way. Um, although interestingly, she will sometimes if she, she's way into sports, mostly very traditional volleyball and softball in particular. And, uh, she's a natural leader like her mama and Leo also. <laughs> um, and she will often lead stretching and warm ups beforehand. And I will see, um, now and then some yoga in there. And she's done some breath exercises with her team too. And what's gives me to do slumps, right? <laughs> and what's interesting is sometimes she'll tell me about them, and sometimes her friends will, mm. or sometimes Austin will hear about it and tell me. So, so I know it's trickling in, although it appears to be a rejection of all things mom with a twelve-year-old at this yeah. point. And then um, the other cute thing, which is not yoga related, but I say yeah, baby, all the time, which I actually didn't realize this until recently when, <laughs> uh, you know. My 12-year-old's friends will walk by me and be like, yeah, baby. I'm like, why does everyone keep saying that to me? And I was like, because you say it all the time, mom. Like, even all my friends know. I'm like, what? And now in volleyball, right now, they have a tournament coming up. And it's a a sort of private league thing. And I was at one of their scrimmages recently. And they came together for a cheer. And it was, yeah, baby, the whole team. Oh, um, that's so sweet. I was like, you do love me. I actually pulled her aside afterwards. I'm like, you do love me still. Yay. Um, my, my 10 year old was more interested in the practice, honestly, from the, from the beginning, but now pretty much the only time I can get her to do anything with me is if I'm like, can we do a video for Instagram or let's do pictures? Then she'll be like, oh, okay. I know that world, you know, cause she, she's on TikTok and all the things. Yes. The show part. Well, that is another way of sharing. I mean, I have seen your posts uh, and 
I think that can be a really beautiful way to inspire others and share your skills. Um, do you want to speak to that at all? Like yeah. how you've shared and what inspires you to share? What types of things do you enjoy sharing on social media? Yeah, I think I think that's important. I've gotten um, lots of positive, great feedback, mostly positive feedback about my Instagram, which is all yoga, Moab Yogini. Um, but I've also gotten some really negative, nasty things. Um, you know, my husband, who's just like, why are you just showing yourself off on, why do you need to do that? Mm -hmm. um, to one of my best friends, best girlfriends, who's like, that's not yoga, that's you showing off. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, it's, I'm out there to inspire people. And I have been told by many people, mm -hmm. hey, I started to check out yoga because I'm inspired not just by the practice you have, but your obsession with it. Like, mm -hmm. how, what is this yoga thing about if you're just, you're there all the time coming back to yoga constantly? And um, I also, you know, absolutely talk it up with everyone I know that, um, you know, yoga, I mean, it makes you a better person. It really does. It does me anyway. Um, mm -hmm. And it helps me regulate stress and all sorts of things. I can't even, you know, um, stress how important yoga is in my life. So Instagram is a way to get that out to people all over the world. And yeah, you got to block, block some gross guys that are DMing you, you know, mm -hmm. stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, but otherwise I'm there to share and I'm especially there to share for the mamas. Cause I think another thing that, uh, restricts for people from coming to their mat is they think I need an hour to, to do yoga. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, sometimes my practice is three minutes. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's three hours. Um, it can be all those things. And I'm a mom and I work a ton and I'm successful and I have a very strong yoga practice and you can do all of it. Yeah. And I feel that um, you speak to that in the social media sharing also, which is part of what inspires. So it's not just you showing these movements um, of a practice, but it's the words that you, you know, couple that with that um, inspire. So, yeah, um, there's, I mean, not caring what other people, I mean, there's, there's a time to, you know, take that in and be like, and self reflect, but really then to be like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, let's see where we're at in the questions. Um, you've answered quite a, like you, you have, have shared one of my questions is, do you see yourself, uh, practicing yoga for the rest of your life? And, um, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. It'll be interesting, you know, to see what you're experiencing in your practice five to 10 years from now. Absolutely. And I've seen my own teachers' practices really evolve as they've aged. And I think that's beautiful. You know, the one of the main tenets of yoga is just appreciating where you are on this particular day, this particular moment, um, and also what's going on with your breath and body. And that's, that's changing, you know, daily, but certainly as you age. Um, honestly, I feel stronger physically in my practice than ever before. I'm 44. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't reached that peak yet. And, you know, I'm looking forward to these strong years. And then, I, you know, I know I will peak and I will look forward to the journey that comes next. Mm, so beautiful. Uh, one other question about um, weaving it into these other aspects of your life. Um, you kind of touched on this just a tiny bit, but how has your yoga practice influenced your legal career, your life as a lawyer and business owner? So you're not only a lawyer, you're also you know, you run your own law firm and um, I don't know if you're comfortable with me sharing, but, um, you know, own properties, you know, that you intend to develop and, you know, it's super inspiring. And so how does the way you navigate that aspect of your world, how is that influenced by your yoga practice? Yeah. Um, 
Pranayama is the breath practice piece of yoga and super important as you move into your practice and expand your practice. And it's not something that will resonate with most people, I think, in the beginning of their yoga practice. But as you practice longer, you'll understand how important it is and beneficial. And for me, um, I don't know. I think it was probably the Roaring Fork years. I don't remember in those early years being tuned in to the breath piece, quite frankly. Um, maybe I was. I don't remember it. But today, I mean, whether it's I'm about to go into court with a client, um, whether it's I'm in a hard mediation, whether it's I'm just counseling an emotional client and, you know, any of that, I, I take a moment to breathe deep and to remember, you know, the moment. Everything about the moment, whatever that means in the moment. Um, I was county attorney for four years. I've never had a harder job than that. It was so heavy and burdensome. And every day I had to dig deep and, and really grateful for my yoga practice to be able to help me move through that. A huge part of that was just the stress of the job itself. But then with any public office, you're subjected, especially in Moab, this very um, a small town full of intense people and big personalities, there's just so much judgment and hate on all of our public officials. You know, I do think the county attorney gets a lot of it based on the nature of the job. But man, I feel really sad. I don't know. Compassionate. I don't know what the right. I'm. It's a very emotional thing to think about how hard public officials are working and mm. how much uninformed, nasty critique they get. Um, and so on a daily basis, especially the last year, the election year, Ooh, I was so grateful for my practice, just helping me stay mediated, hopefully approaching certain situations, um, debates or public meetings where you knew people who oppose you or what you're doing or who, you know, accepted lies and misrepresentations being spread on Facebook with at face value without any investigation of truth or fact. Uh, you know, saying unemotional in that moment. And I credit yoga with that. I, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine those four years without yoga. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Um, my last question is, um, if you have any ideas or, you know, advice is kind of a, a heavy word, but more of a lightness of someone who was wanting to get started, like where would they start? What are some ideas or tools that you would, you know, suggest to them for getting started into practice? Um at a basic level, one of my favorite things to do, no matter where you are in your practice, is put on some of your favorite music. Whether you have a mat or not, you don't even need a mat. I often practice without a mat. Um, roll out your mat or not, put on your favorite music, get your favorite beverage next to you. That could be coffee, tea, wine, whatever <laughs> you like, and just start moving. And uh, you'll find a practice that way. And often, my practice now goes through phases and sometimes I'm super motivated and sometimes I'm not. But I can tell when I need yoga, Sometimes that's because I'm cranky, but often that's because I feel a tightness, a physical tightness, a tightness with my breath, a tightness with my energy. And I know I need to get on my mat. And, and if I'm unmotivated or I don't know what to do, or I'm not inspired that day by anything in particular, I just put on music and start moving. Another thing is seeking out, you know, we have two studios now in town and they're both great and, and dabble to go try a few classes and then hone in on your favorite teacher and commit to go, you know, make it a ritual every single mm -hmm. week. Angela mm -hmm. teaches at 5.30, it's on Wednesdays, and I love her class. It's my Wednesday ritual, and I love going. And people are like, hey, you should try this class and that class. I'm like, no, thank you. Oh. Um, I got my ritual. 
so dabble and and commit to it. You know, I think commitment is a big piece and discipline is also a big tenant of yoga and, and learning the discipline of practice. And also I do think social media can be inspiring. I go on Instagram and just look at certain accounts or maybe I have a pose in mind like, hey, I want to tackle this pose today. And I'll go look up online. Sometimes it's YouTube tutorials. Mostly it's Instagram for me, but there's different techniques. And, um, you know, I'll search for the pose. I'll You can get videos, tutorials, pictures, written text to give you tips, all of that stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll be like, hey, maybe hey, they, they might have a trick or maybe the way they say it. Something Nova always said to me mm-hmm. is you hear something when you're ready to hear it. And so maybe I've practiced a certain asana which is a yoga pose um, before, but I'll find someone's little tip on Instagram and it'll unlock something for me on, on that particular day. So I do all those things. Yeah. I, I want to add to what you said because, um, you know, thinking of like going outside of our community. So we locally have two studios currently. And so, yeah, like going to different spaces, someone in a city might have multiple. I remember being in a city and being like, which one do I go to? And, you know, they often have intro, um, opportunities to try out like for a very minimal cost but we also have something i just saw yesterday at our aquatic center um there was a a morning class happening um i know we have a community class locally at our community center and so yeah just looking into different areas and then you know through the pandemic it's insane how much yoga there is i actually practiced already this week online on a zoom class um which i hadn't done in a while but it was kind of like oh this is convenient because i you know, was managing parenting and making dinner and, and, I, and I didn't feel like I could, you know, leave my son to go to the studio to class. And so, um, and YouTube, I have, you know, friends locally that, um, you know, will take classes on YouTube and I've posted in the past, um, on YouTube. So, so many opportunities to dip into the practice, but then I love what you said about developing a ritual. And of course that's, um, you know, the, the essence of this podcast is the ritual of practice and, and that ongoing commitment to whatever it may be that you're choosing to practice. So. Absolutely. <laughs> and if you're tired as every mama is every day, just, just step onto the mat and you've, you know, you've made that first step of commitment and that's all you need to do. The rest mm-hmm. flows from there. It does. Well, so beautiful. Well, it's been such a joy to have you on the podcast uh, this morning, Chrissy, and I'm so grateful for, you know, obviously you're such a busy (laughs) woman. So for you to take the time um, and come and share your practice with us is, it really means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you're doing this. (laughs) It's it's super fun. Uh, We're going to sign off now. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Ritual of Practice podcast. You can find the show home at ritualofpractice.com. Follow us on your favorite listening platform to receive weekly inspiration for your practices. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you love. Until next time, keep practicing.